Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today on the podcast, I have Carol Feely. Thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for asking me. Welcome. Thank you. Carol is here to talk about living with osteoporosis. Can you tell us about yourself? Yes. Um, I was a first grade teacher for 19 years. I taught a total of 23, perhaps 24, depending upon how you look at it. Um, in between times, I've worked with my husband's office. They call me an administrative assistant, but that just means that I do things like bookkeeping, um, payroll in the olden days. Um, I do medical legal transcription now for my husband, which I find I like it because it means I'm correcting someone's grammar, and that's kind of teacher-like for me. <laughs> so I have a well, husband, of course, and two children. Our son lives in Denver, and our daughter is in Indianapolis. Can you tell us about family life when your kids were small? When they were little, yes. Um, being that kids are 10 years apart, it was a little different. Um, you know, we had uh, Brad first, and he's a sweet, gentle, kind little guy. And then um, Ashley came along, like I said, 10 years later, and she was not as quiet and gentle. She's much more <laughs> forceful. And I remember my brother-in-law saying, um, she's a woman for the 80s and beyond. And he was right. <laughs> she is a teacher, professor at Butler University. And she's finally finishing up that PhD, working on it. And her son manages a commissary in Denver. They're both happy, and I'm very fortunate to have lovely, wonderful children. That's marvelous. Congratulations. Thanks. What was family life like in terms of activity, in terms of how you ate? What was everyday life like? Uh, yeah. Um, especially let me focus in on how we ate, because that changed drastically after Ashley was born. I love to cook and always enjoyed cooking, but you know, as as a busy person does, I relied a lot upon you know, things that were maybe prepackaged. Well, when Ashley was born, it took about two years to find out that she was celiac, and that mm. totally changed. Game changer. Totally, totally. And uh, besides being celiac, she had a lot of other food allergies, like dairy. We're talking major food group areas. Mm -hmm. So I had to reteach myself um, how to cook using fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. No um, rye, no barley, no nothing. wheat. And, and, and I want to tell you something. 27 years ago, there wasn't this, the products that you can buy now. Mm. I used to have to go out and buy a little bit of tapioca flour and this flour and this and this and combine them to even make something that even kind of lucky looked like a piece of bread, you know. <laughs> um, had to go to, as much as possible, antibiotic-free meats. Again, 27 years ago, that wasn't easy to find. Mm -hmm. We learned. And as much as possible now, I, I just stuck, stuck as much as possible with the fresh fruits, the vegetables, the antibiotic-free meats, you know, those things. Fish a little harder, but we do eat a lot of fish. Okay, good. So yeah. it's, it seems like you developed those habits and they essentially stuck. Yes, not going back to processed food. Right. I mean, not that you know you never do it. You but know, it doesn't make up the, the majority of your yes. diet as yes. it did when you were very definitely, busy. I definitely think about it now before I would ever do it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'm reading that package label. Make sure that, you know, what is in this processed food 
is okay for the you know time or two I'm going to use it. So, okay, okay, yeah. that's. And what about activity? Were you physically active? Were you physically active as a family? No, not really. Um, I'm not very athletic. Um, our son played. He played soccer in school. Our daughter played volleyball in school. But no, I mean we would take walks and do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But no, we really weren't. When were you diagnosed with osteoporosis? Yeah, I was actually diagnosed um, when I was pregnant with our daughter. Uh, at six months pregnant, I fell. And so I was diagnosed with an osteopenia at the time. But what had happened is I had immune system disorder for pregnancy. And the treatment was prednisone and low-dose baby aspirin. So it was the steroid that caused mm-hmm. the beginning of the osteoporosis as it is as it exists now. How old were you, if you don't mind my asking? Almost thirty-five. It was right before my thirty-fifth birthday. So, so that's very early young. to be yes. diagnosed with osteopenia. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, very, very early. I didn't do really anything about it. I didn't believe, you know, that it would happen to me. Well, they were doing. We were doing bone scans. And for a while, things stayed, you know, just the same. Everything was okay. Then I went down a little bit, and in kind of, I'm not sure sometimes which order, but when the bone scans started going down, the doctor prescribed Fosamax, mm-hmm. and I think the other one was Actinel. Okay. But both had very bad side effects for me. Um, I couldn't walk. I was, my joints, I mean, I was almost disabled at the time. Mm-hmm. So I stopped doing that. I started to try increasing vitamins, walking, um, strengthening exercises, and actually for a good couple of years that worked. And then about six years ago, I fell on the ice and I fractured my sacrum and broke my wrist. The doctor then said, oh no, this has actually gotten way, way worse. Oh my goodness. And now you are, you know, you definitely are osteoporosis. The the initial fracture that you had, the initial fall where they diagnosed it, what did what did you break? What bone did you break? I broke uh, my ankle, all three bones in the ankle. So that was surgically repaired. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And same thing with my wrist. I broke uh, the distal radius. Mm-hmm. So that was surgically repaired. The sacrum, you can't, I mean, that was just... It's a tough area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was just stay off of it and yeah. not do anything for a long, long, uh, very long Very painful time. from what I understand. Especially, yeah, when you um, have the broken arm, the broken wrist, too. The two together didn't didn't make my life very easy for a long time. Was there a family history of... No. Bone loss? Huh. No. Okay. No. And I have, you know, aunts and, I mean, they live well into their 90s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm certain there was old age, but it wasn't osteoporosis like like I have. You know, they were actually very sturdy, sturdy ladies. You have a small frame. Yes. And so that would be considered a risk factor for developing bone loss. Yes. My family tends on one side to be very thin and, you know, more like I took after and then the other side isn't. They're, again, a sturdier family. And so at that point in time, um, like I said, I stopped doing anything. And But when I broke my wrist, they said, no, you have to do something. So I then did two years of Forteo injections. And that's the self-injection um, that you do every day. And there was actually good improvement because it does improve the bone building. And then again, time went on and it just kept getting worse and worse. And about a year and a half ago, 
my doctor said, you must see somebody I really, really want you to see, an endocrinologist. When you say it was getting worse, it was that the osteoporosis was getting worse, but did this particular medication have undesirable side effects? It did, but they weren't nearly as bad as the other two, as the Fosamax and the Ecotel. Not Mm -hmm. nearly. There was nausea, a lot of, I mean, bruising because you have to give yourself the injections, but Mm -hmm. that's not that bad. Uh, Some discomfort, but it wasn't horrible. I mean, I could do it for two years without any problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, you know, for me, that one worked, and it was good. But once you're on that, you can't ever do that again. So... It's not a choice to go back. So when I saw the endocrinologist, she was very excited first about Prolia, but she had gone to a conference and found out that um, Prolia has, after about six or eight, ten years, whatever, that the side effects, if you ever have to go off of it, are much worse than ever having gone on it. Oh, my So the side effects, as as she told me, the side effects is if you have to go off for any reason, that you are much more likely to have a fracture. So something that's supposed to be helping build bone can actually cause the very problem that yes. it's supposed to solve. If you have to go off of it for any reason. And, you know, you may have to. I mean, sometimes you look into the future maybe because you're in the hospital and they're doing something else, you know. So, um, yeah. So what she did is she has prescribed now six years of reclast, And you reclast. I get once a year, and it's a, an injection. wasn't difficult at all. Osteopenia and osteoporosis are very prevalent. And who would have guessed? It seems like the side effects are so unpalatable that most people are not able to stay on the medications. Yes. So it's, it is a very difficult yeah. problem. And osteoporosis is unseen. Mm-hmm. In, and I think for me, well, actually, I know for me, being unseen, I just, in my mind, convinced myself that it didn't really exist or it wasn't important enough to be maybe, I should have probably been more proactive when well, I was let's, younger. Let's talk about that. That's very interesting because it, it is an unseen, it's a silent disease. As you say, there is no pain. It's usually right. diagnosed when someone has a fall. Yes. But the fall can be very debilitating yes. depending on where it is. And there's actually an increased risk of falling again and fracturing again afterwards. There's morbidity and mortality increase with fracturing. So it's a very serious thing. Knowing all this information, you're a a highly proactive person. You're very intelligent. You manage your disease very well. So what do you think was inhibiting you from taking it more seriously? Because I was busy doing other things and really... I look at myself as a very healthy person, and I couldn't in my heart accept that there was something wrong. Um, I also, after I fell and broke my ankle, I was sure that that was the one break I would ever have in my entire life, and I'd Mm. never have another one. Mm. So sometimes for me, a little too positive an outlook, as in I'm in charge of my life and this (laughs) isn't going to happen again, and we're not always in charge of our lives. And then you mentioned about being debilitating, yeah. My broken ankle wasn't as debilitating. I mean, it's, it was for a bit, but it wasn't. I still walk. I maybe I can't jog, but okay, I didn't make a difference to me. Um, I couldn't play tennis anymore. Breaking my wrist is a major big deal because along with the break, I have some paralysis now. And 
when you're right-handed and your right hand is partially paralyzed, it really makes a difference in how <laughs> how you look at yourself, mm. how you think other people look at you. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they don't notice, but I'm sure, of course, that everybody is noticing, you know, that it's taken away things that I really can't do anymore that I enjoy doing. And, um, or, and or I have to make serious modifications. What are some more examples of things that you find you're a little bit less likely to do or should not? Play the piano. Because when your hand is partially paralyzed, you know, and doesn't make the reaches that it should, and then it's painful, it becomes painful to play. Um, when I was teaching, I noticed it's very difficult for me to write. So I can write for a little while, and then that pen pencil has to go down. Hmm. I have to take a break and start back again. I'm mm -hmm. um, even typing. That's kind of like the piano. I can't reach like I did before. Mm -hmm. So my speed is not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. but those kinds of things. So work and play. When your doctor was talking to you about treatment, you went to your initial doctor, and he sent you to your specialist, your endocrinologist. Yes. Uh, did she focus primarily on medication? Did she talk to you about other lifestyle modifications to manage the osteoporosis? My primary doctor, um, she talks to me about that. good number of years ago, she put me on um, bioidentical hormones for all the reasons mm -hmm. that you have to go on those. Mm -hmm. And that was also another thing, too. If you go into an early menopause, you also are suffering the bone loss. So that was the reason yes. for the, the uh, HRT. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and I do take the vitamins, uh, those, kind of, those kinds of things. I do all of those. Mm -hmm. She is wonderfully proactive about that. Mm -hmm. And that, again, that did work for quite some time. So you didn't have other risk factors that would preclude taking the hormone replacement therapy? No. And, you know, we've managed it. Um, I still don't. We take, you know, we mean make mm -hmm. sure that there is no cancer and all those mm -hmm. things. I've been very, very fortunate that way. Mm -hmm. No heart disease. No. Mm -hmm. I, again, I'm so thankful. My health, other than the osteoporosis, is really good. I'm very fortunate with that. That is great yeah. because hormone replacement therapy is, uh, while it is definitely helpful for the bone um, replenishment, it, there's a risk involved with heart disease if you have yes. it in your family, yes. breast cancer, any gynecologic cancer. So Right. And I mean, again, we do monitor that all the time, making sure that I go back to her and you know see her and we do all the testing that we need to do. Mm -hmm. Now, when I did go to the endocrinologist, um, she is more focused on just the medical aspect, mm -hmm. but frankly, that's why I went to her, you know, after doing her research too, based upon all the lab tests they did for me and all the background information that I had to give her, she was very thoughtful about what's going to work for me and was excellent on filling me in on why is this her choice and why would this work and why doesn't this work. So I was very, I'm very impressed with her. Yes. So what are you doing for activity? Well, for activity, I do walking now as much as possible, mm -hmm. as long as the weather is good, and that the hard part for that is winter time for me because now I won't go out in the winter and walk if it's at all icy or any possibility of it being icy. That makes There's total no sense. Way. Yeah, so I have to really work on that a little bit more. Um, and those days I've been trying just to go into my downstairs, and I have a little tiny trampoline that I kind of semi-jog on. Um, I do yoga, which has helped me a lot with my balance. Mm -hmm. That is something that I was losing quickly, 
and I've definitely regained that and understand that it can be regained. Um, I also do, my husband and I do ballroom dancing, and that's very good for a lot, on a lot of levels, that's, that one's very good. Balance, coordination, yeah. oh, totally. strength. Thinking, you just, you have to think when you're mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. You have to socialize too. Mm -hmm. That's another mm -hmm. good thing, you do have to socialize mm -hmm. a little bit, and mm -hmm. that, that helps a lot. Um, I'm not doing it currently, but for a little while I was doing line dancing. It's a ball, and I plan on going back to it again. In fact, that's probably more going to be my winter activity when I can't walk. And just go back and do line dancing. It's only for fun, and it's the it's it's just fun. I have to tell anybody else if you think you can't do it, think twice because you can. Well, we I'm, can all line dance. Well, I wonder if having those other outlets, you know, because you look so happy when you describe mm -hmm. the ballroom dancing and the line dancing, if it balances out and makes you feel a little bit more empowered and like you, there are things that you can still find and enjoy. You have yes. been able to um, be fortunate enough and resourceful enough to find other things not just focus on I can't do this but then finding well there are other possibilities let me open up my mind let me be flexible do something different well we kind of fell into ballroom dancing because when our daughter was getting married we thought oh if we take three or four lessons we'll be able to dance at the wedding and we'll look really good at least we'll look like we kind of know what we're doing and then after we did you know four or five whatever lessons we realized that yeah, we were okay at the wedding, and we managed to get around the floor for the few minutes that we had to, but that it was really a lot of fun, mm -hmm. and that we decided it was something that we could do together and enjoy ourselves. Anything else you want to talk about in terms of how you manage the osteoporosis, maybe that we didn't talk about? I would say the only other thing that I do, and I don't like to do it, and it's the one place I have to force myself, is doing like light lifting exercises, strengthening exercises. Mm -hmm. It's not enjoyable for me. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people love it, and God bless them for loving it. It's the one place I have to force myself. But as I began to understand how those, the walking and those kind of activities work together with the strengthening, then I can pretty much kind of convince myself to go and do it. <laughs> you know, go down to my basement, pick up those weights, and do it every once in a while, you know. Well, and that brings us back to the point about yoga, yoga for osteoporosis. I just had Dr. Fishman on uh, the podcast. Dr. Fishman wrote Yoga for Osteoporosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he and I had a wonderful talk about how the yoga does benefit the formation of bone and, and takes care of bone health very well, addresses balance amongst a lot of other things. How often do you practice your yoga? I'm trying to do it two to three times a week. That's wonderful. And I know it's not always an hour's worth, um, but sometimes it's the with the time that I can work in is the time that I can do it. And mm -hmm. so sometimes if I'm just sitting in the car or I'm someplace else and I have those spare minutes, instead of using that time to get nervous and upset and worried about something, sure, I'm trying the other aspect of just allowing myself to go to my little special place and figure it out and, you know, work myself through it with some breathing and some mental adjustment. Wonderful. So it helps you manage life stressors, what's going on with you physically, what's going on with you mentally. Yes. But the other beauty about the yoga practice for osteoporosis is you don't have to use light weights necessarily. Right. It's enough to manipulate your body weight in, in very... what. Yes. Would really are considered, even though you're holding these poses, they are really challenging to hold 
And you don't have to do it for a long time. It, it yes. doesn't necessarily have to be that hour. It can, yeah. 15 it, minutes is enough. It's, yes, it is enough just to go on ahead and, mm-hmm. and do it. And again, you know, it's part of it also is excusing myself for what needs to be excused and, and allowing that maybe today wasn't the day that I could do it. So not get upset with myself for the past failures mm-hmm. and go on and say, well, okay, so I can do it tomorrow. This is a question I ask everyone at the end of the (laughs) at the end of the episode and before I do ask the question I really appreciate how candid you've been and how well versed you are in taking care of yourself so you can be in charge of taking care of yourself yes yes and taking their advice at the same time I I have questioned sometimes the advice and that's okay and that's fine on the other hand I also had to learn sometimes to trust their advice Mm -hmm. even though it was not what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. to trust them. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do spend time figuring things out and deciding, like for example, the reclass. I did a lot of research myself on the side effects before I told her that I would go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to having taken the steroid and not realizing the effects that it could have had. Okay. And then, you know, so for me, I kind of bounce back to that and say, okay, now for this, I do need to take charge. Beautiful example of being very well informed, asking questions when you need to ask questions, knowing what you're getting into, um, not being afraid to have discussions with your physician, and just being, again, very well versed in what's going on with your health. So what is your definition of being healthy? Really, what it is, is to be strong physically and to be mentally strong also but the way I have to achieve that is the way that works personally for me not for anybody else hmm. and if if my way is is what's good for me and I see a friend who's doing something else and it seems to work for her so much better sometimes I have to step back and say okay that works for her but that doesn't work for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's getting to know myself Thank you for sharing your time and being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was so valuable. Thank Thank you. And now it's time for practical tips. Body tip. Make sure you're taking part in a balanced exercise program, including aerobics, strength, and flexibility. And have fun. And as far as the mind and spirit tips go, I'm going to let Carol take it from here. If you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So weigh those two options. Thanks for being here. See you next time.